Hello, Hello. and welcome to Easy Easy Bake Bake Takes, Takes, the podcast where we read you the one-star reviews of your favorite movies and more. My name's Kat. And I'm Riley. And this week, we are doing the movie Practical Magic, because we wanted some witchy fall vibes, even Mm -hmm. though it's still high 90s here. Yep. (laughs) But mentally, it's high 60s. Mm-hmm. Mentally. So this movie came out in 1998. It's rated PG-13. It's classified as a fantasy romance. It's an hour and 44 minutes long. The plot is, in a small Massachusetts town, the Owens family have been regarded with suspicion for over three centuries due to their ancestor, Maria Owens, who survived an attempted execution for witchcraft. Heartbroken when the father of her unborn child never returned to her, Maria cast a spell to prevent herself from ever falling in love again. The spell developed into a curse upon Maria's descendants, dooming any man an Owens woman loves. Oh, I thought it was going to say more. (laughs) It dooms them to die. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In the present, Jillian and Sally Owens are taken in by their aunts, Frances and Jet, after both their parents succumb to the Owens curse. As children, Sally and Jillian are frequently ridiculed by the town's school children. After witnessing their aunts cast a love spell for a woman obsessed with her beloved, Sally casts a spell on herself to ensure she will only fall in love with a man who possesses certain impossible traits, with the goal that she will never fall in love. Meanwhile, Jillian, witnessing the same incident, cannot wait to fall in love. When the girls are teens, Jillian elopes with her boyfriend and leaves for Los Angeles. Before Jillian departs, she and Sally make a blood spell to always be faithful to one another. Jillian spends the next decade moving from relationship to relationship across the country. While back in Massachusetts, Sally meets and marries a man named Michael. The two have two young daughters, Kylie and Antonia. After Michael is fatally hit by a truck, Sally and her daughters return to live with the ants. Realizing that the ants secretly cast a love spell on her so that she could marry and be happy, Sally says the ants will never teach her daughters magic. Jillian unexpectedly tells Sally she has become involved with a dangerously abusive man named Jimmy Angelov. When Sally arrives to rescue her, Jimmy holds them both hostage in his car. Sally puts Belladonna into Jimmy's tequila to sedate him, but inadvertently kills him instead. The sisters take his body back to the aunt's house where they attempt to resurrect him using a forbidden spell, which causes him to return and attack Jillian. Sally kills him again and the sisters bury his remains in the garden. State investigator Gary Hallett arrives from Tucson, Arizona. Tucson, Arizona. In search of Jimmy, who is also a serial killer, (laughs) Sally breaks down and confesses to Gary, only to realize he is the impossible man from her childhood love spell. Unable to deny their attraction, they kiss. Returning home, Sally discovers Jimmy's spirit has possessed Jillian's body. Gary sees Jimmy's spirit emerge. Jimmy tries possessing Gary, but is turned aside by his silver badge. Sally tells Gary he is there because of her spell. The feelings they have for each other are not real, and the family curse will kill him if they pursue a relationship. Gary replies that curses only work if one believes in them before returning to Tucson. Jimmy possesses Jillian again and tries killing Sally before Francis and Jet return. Realizing she must embrace magic to save her sister, Sally asks the aid of the townswoman and they form a coven to exercise Jimmy's spirit. They break the Owens curse, exercising Jimmy's spirit and allowing the coven to exile him permanently. In Tucson, Gary clears the sisters of any suspicion in Jimmy's case and returns to Massachusetts to be with Sally. The Owens women are finally welcomed into the community by the 
townsfolk who now accept them as witches. The end. Do you know how sketchy it looks that he exonerated a woman from a murder case and then went and lived with her and married her? I quit also. Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Nothing happened. (laughs) Don't look into it. It's dead. It's a cold case. Closed means closed. I'm taking the file. (laughs) He just snatches it. Um, This movie was directed by Griffin Dunn. He played Dr. Alan Parfit in Succession, played Jack Goodman in An American Werewolf in London. He played Dr. Vass in Dallas Buyers Club and Nikki Pearson in This Is Us. And he was in 47 episodes of This Is Us. So he was like a main main character. character. (laughs) It's so funny. I've seen all of these and I still do not recognize him. I'm sure if you looked at his face, you might, but um, an interesting fact about him, interesting fact, kind of sad fact, his sister is Dominique Dunn, who was Dana in The Poltergeist and is one of the actors from that movie that tragically passed away. Oh. She was the one that was murdered by her abusive ex-boyfriend. Oh, that's so horrible. It must have been rough for this movie or cathartic for him maybe yeah to like have the abusive boyfriend like put to an end Mm -hmm. you know it could have been cathartic it could have been i hope he got through it okay but yeah he's done a lot more acting than he has directing Mm. maybe he picked up the story because of that you know maybe maybe yeah he signed on to it because of that but the screenplay for this movie was written by robin swicord who wrote the story for (laughs) curious case of benjamin button and also wrote the screenplay for matilda oh also Akiva Goldsman wrote this movie as well, who wrote the movies I Am Legend, A Beautiful Mind, and Batman Forever. (laughs) And then the other writer was Adam Brooks, who wrote the rom-com Definitely Maybe. This movie's based on the novel Practical Magic by Alice Hoffman. She's the same person who wrote Aquamarine. Love it. Love it. And then the cast of this movie, we have Sandra Bullock, Nicole Kidman. We have Gorn Viznijik, who plays Jimmy. Apparently, Jimmy was originally supposed to be, like, a redneck character, but because that actor is, like, European, they were like, let's just make him European. (laughs) See, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah. And then Stalker Channing plays Frances, one of the aunts, and she's Rizzo from Greece. Mm. There's also Diane Wiest and Aiden Quinn, Evan Rachel Wood, Camille Bell, and Margot, character actress Margot Martindale is in this movie. Love her. Love her. And then Laura Ann Caldwell. Those last two, Camille Bell and Laura Ann Caldwell, play the younger versions of Sally and Jillian. Mm. So, trivia. This movie had a $75 million budget and made $68.3 million at the box office, so it did Aww. not make its money back. That's sad. It, we'll get to the reception of it. <laughs> um, but so Practical Magic was filmed in part on an artificial set in California because the film producers decided the house was a big part of the depiction of the Owens culture. A house to accurately represent that vision was built on San Juan Island in the state of Washington. While most much of the set from California was brought to that location and placed inside the house, it took nearly a year to perfect the image of the house and the interior. It's a beautiful interior and house. I love it. Yeah, that's a, that is a cozy mm-hmm. house for the girlies yep i've ever seen one yep and then according to sandra bullock in the dvd commentary while filming the scene where the owens women are drunk and slinging insults the actresses actually got drunk on very bad tequila brought by kidman i love that scene it's really cute that's when i was like this is a girl movie mm-hmm. this is when for they're the girls. singing and they're like yes, dancing around and dancing with margaritas that's 
this is for the girls. <laughs> That's peak girlhood That's right there. peak girlhood, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But next I have that the cast stated in the film's commentary that they felt supernatural elements of the house start to affect them. Both the cast and crew claimed they heard supernatural noises while filming the coven scene at the end of the film. Ooh, spooky. Ooh. That's crazy. Yeah, nothing else about that really came up so. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, I think. I heard a creak. Ooh. <laughs> Nobody's upstairs, right? Was that a draft? <laughs> <laughs> did anyone leave a door open? <laughs> oh, they didn't? Oh. <laughs> <gasps> Next, in the scene where Nicole Kidman, or where they lay Jimmy's dead body on the table to resurrect him, you can hear Nicole Kidman's Australian accent come through when she <laughs> says, Sally, watch his balls. <laughs> That's and funny. You, you can also see Jimmy break character and slightly smirk during that scene. Dang it. I gotta watch that. That's hilarious. Um, and then according to co-writer Akiva Goldsman, the director's cut was a darker take on the material. Due to the marketing of Warner Brothers and extensive editing, it finally ended up a different version and Goldsman lost his copy of the original cut. Oh, that's sad. Convenient. Yeah, convenient. An unexpected issue that director Griffin Dunn encountered was the number of takes the lead actresses needed to complete each scene. Sandra Bullock would generally finish in two or three takes. However, Nicole Kidman had just spent the previous 18 months working with Stanley Kubrick on Eyes Wide Shut and was now used to doing 70 or 80 takes for a single scene. Oh, God. I had to, like, train that out of her. So she was, like, brainwashed, it sounds yeah. like. Holy shit. I couldn't imagine. I'd go crazy. Yeah. And then for the final scene with all the townspeople at the Owens home, the entire population of the town where filming took place was invited to show up in costume and appear as townsfolk. That's so cute. I love that. I love stuff like that. That is such a 90s film thing to do. You know, it's like, hey, we filmed in the small town. Everyone in town come see it. That's so cute. I love that. And then... Let's see. These last two are about the score and the soundtrack. So after bad reactions at a test screening, composer Michael Nyman's score was rejected at the last minute. It was called too European sounding and obtrusive. It was replaced with one by Alan Silvestri. The change was made so late that the soundtrack albums had already been pressed. As a result, the first batch to hit stores all had two suites of themes from Nyman's score. A few weeks later, a new version of the CD with the same ISBN number was made replacing Nyman's tracks with music by Silvestri. And then fans commonly circulate a bootleg of like the original soundtrack that was released mm -hmm. with like all just Nyman's score instead of Silvestri. That would be so upsetting. At the very last minute, they're like, so you know how you wrote like 50 tracks? We're not using any of them. That's awful. I do love the soundtrack of this movie though. Mm -hmm. This is a good, good soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Joni Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Got Stevie Nicks. Got Stevie Nicks. Mm-hmm. Got Faith Hill. Mm-hmm. It's good. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing I have is that singer Stevie Nicks headlined the soundtrack's published advertisements, promoting her song If You Ever Did Believe and a new recording of her song Crystal, both featuring Sheryl Crow on backup vocals. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Of course Stevie Nicks would be into this. Like, yes, exactly. This is right up her aisle. I wasn't surprised when I was like, that's a Stevie Nicks song. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes that tracks. Uh, Stevie, yeah, she's Stevie. here. The White Witch has arrived. <laughs> <laughs> yup. Uh, but that was the last of my trivia, and I am very excited to hear your thoughts on this. One, I loved it. Classic '90s, classic cheesy. Uh, love a romance, very sweet. I can see this becoming a comfort movie for me. Mm-hmm. 
It's it's whimsigoth. It's witches. Oh, it's so whimsigoth. The fashion in this movie is fantastic. This is how, this is peak fashion for me. This is how I want to dress every day. Yeah, that's why I own so many midi length skirts mm -hmm. is this movie. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want a, a skirt to go below my ankle. Like, it, it will hit the ankle. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Because of this movie, and Sandra Bullock, Sandy B. Sandy B. <laughs> looked beautiful in this movie. And she had like little tennis shoes on too with it. I once dated a man who's like, I don't like full length skirts. I'm like, I'm too bad. <laughs> Oh my god. I don't like you. <laughs> I don't like you. I don't know why this came up. I think I was wearing one. He's like, I don't really like that. I was like, <laughs> okay. Good thing it's not for you. Good thing we're not dating anymore. Oh my god. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Ugh. <laughs> Peak fashion, mm -hmm. peak soundtrack. This fan soundtrack is. There's not a the. Uh, there's nothing I dislike about this movie, and you know what it is too. This is a cheesy romance '90s girl movie about sisterhood. It is going to be what it is, but it's fantastic. Yes, it's comfort. I just want to copy it now. This is going to be my new personality for the next few months. <laughs> this movie has been my fashion inspiration for years. It's just good. Both of them. Gorgeous in this movie. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Nicole Kimmon. Amazing. She's stunning. She's absolutely beautiful. I want her hair. You gotta you gotta go red and I'll I gotta go red. I'll be Sandy B, you be Nicole Kidman. Yeah. <laughs> How did you feel about the possession scene? Uh like when she was in like the bed and he was like the CGA and like Oh, that <laughs> I dug it. <laughs> I dug it. it I added it good. to it. I think it, it did too. To it. And then he disappears and then he like burns his hand. Was he a vampire? You know, I he had to have been some sort of like undead because Demon. they men they weren't able to kill him. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming vampire. I think because his character, since it was originally supposed to be like a redneck character, mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, she even said in the movie like he's near trans. He's from that. He's from a place that's near Transylvania. He's got vampire. She says it in the movie. I'm like, oh, okay. He gets burned by the silver sheriff badge. So I'm like, oh, is he a vampire? Or is that the now demon? I wasn't sure. Yeah. I don't know. He's He sucks either way. He sucks either way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When you're talking about like the romance, Sally's like her husband at the beginning like, just that romance. She gets two beautiful romances in this movie. She does. The first one is so, like, pure and beautiful and wonderful. I love it so much. He doesn't speak. It's amazing. I, <laughs> he doesn't I love that in mouth. a man. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's so awful. But no, it yeah. is. It's so sweet. Picture perfect family. And it's, yeah, it's really sad. We, okay, his death scene is so funny, though. I'm like, no way does he kill get killed by a cyclist trope. Hey, honey. <laughs> like, no way does he get killed by a bunch of cyclists. And he's like, ah, and then they all pass him. He's, it's fine. He goes, ah, and then he gets, boom, hit by a car. <laughs> that shit was kind of funny. <laughs> There's there's a, a show called Make Some Noise. I showed you a clip from it. It was with the baby names. Mm -hmm. There's one. It was like, your prompt is guy in a movie who's a, definitely about to be hit by a truck. <laughs> He's like walking backwards. He's like on the boat. <laughs> it's like, my life is so great right now. <laughs> I just love that. He went, ah, you know, he's blocking stuff. He went, Ah, like a big sigh of relief. I was like, oh, something horrible is about to happen. And it was as basic as the truck he happened to not see comes in it. <laughs> I 
kind of want to read the book. Mm -hmm. It's such a, it's such like, if you don't understand the girlies or you're not one of the girlies, like, Mm -hmm. you're not going to get this. You're not going to get it. That margarita scene is woman. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in its purest form in its purest form that margarita scene is woman <laughs> mm-hmm. if you enjoyed it's the same with aqua marine that's a girl movie yeah same author yeah exactly this it doesn't surprise me because both of those both of these movies encapsulate girlhood womanhood being with the girlies <laughs> yeah it's like the epitome of that like those tiktok videos that are like compilation of like women being happy in movies and it's like oh how i love being a woman truth did i the hosier song yeah it's one of those movies that like is just warm fuzzy femininity yes i just love it it's just very sweet and wholesome in some parts in some parts is really like it's probably distraught you know distressing in a lot of scenes yeah it's totally like it 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 does a lot there's a lot of stuff going on like it's not just totally wholesome but it it is a overall i think a wholesome movie but if that's not part of being a woman exactly it's not fun exactly (laughs) (laughs) oh my god true (laughs) true true (laughs) can't get any truer than this movie that's what aquamarine was missing distress (laughs) distressing moment <laughs> yep my palms weren't sweaty enough during aquamarine <laughs> but i will say like the scene where she sally is driving and jimmy is in the car and he like goes to start hitting jillian the reaction that sally has i i di- haven't seen this movie since i was a kid i felt that yeah i think most women have felt that emotion of just holy shit don't talk don't fucking talk to me like that that's my fucking sister you asshole what is wrong with you yeah no i get that also that scene where he's like not only is he holding them hostage but then he wants to talk about pretentiousness you know a pretentious book or a pretentious writer sometimes i've been held hostage not held hostage but it feels like i'm being held hostage by a man i've been to denton too. i've been <laughs> I went to college and then the amount of times I've been quote unquote held hostage by a man reading some whatever, whatever book he just discovered. That has a mansplained. It's why I hate philosophy. Do you know how many times I've been talked down to about, it's why I hate philosophy. No one should have that much time to think. I shouldn't be asked on my way to class, like, what is the definition of love? And you can't say this. It's like, what? I'm not answering you. I'm not talking to you. Who are you? I don't know you, and you're giving me parameters? I don't know you. I have to go to French class to fail a test. (laughs) Please move. (laughs) See, nobody ever talked to me when I was walking to class, and it's because I looked scary, apparently, so. I didn't look scary enough. I look scary now. I got the jadedness now. Ugh. You get, you grow, you gotta kind of earn it. Either you have it or you earn it, you know? Oh, yeah. First semester at college, I smiled at everybody I walked past. I think you realize that's a huge fucking mistake. It's like, no one even wants to look at you. Just go to class. No one wants to look at you. And the ones that do, you probably don't want to talk to. <laughs> no, because then they won't leave you alone. Yeah, exactly. And I have a friend down here who's like, well, I, I get why you hate it because of all the guys. But it's like, it could be such a great topic. I'm like, I know, but I got cheated out of it. Because yeah. the first people to talk about it with me were men where it wasn't even a conversation. It was just them going bah, 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 in my fucking face about it. Yeah. I only like things like deep conversation whenever mm-hmm. it's like applied. Like we can apply it to things that happen. Not just some thousand year old book that people kind of know who maybe wrote it. Mm-hmm. Like shut up. Exactly. And it was at school 
and I was working at a factory. A guy brought up philosophy to me. We were working side by side, so I couldn't escape him. He brought up why Aeropostale or whoever the fuck, because of what he said, that's why <laughs> that a abort- That is a clothing store. That is a clothing store. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> What's his name? <laughs> Apollo? philosopher, Aeropostale. <laughs> okay, if you had not corrected me, I would have gone the rest of my life. <laughs> Aristotle. Aristotle. <laughs> Who was the- Plato. Plato. Socrates, Plato. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this tells you how much I know about philosophy, but I refuse to learn it. So don't don't come up to me to teach me yeah. about anything because I hate it. I reject it. Anyway. Yeah, but. Sorry. To no, go back I, I, to I, the no, no, no. Magic. No, it, it's bad enough he's a piece of shit, but like, shut up. <laughs> shut the fuck up. I was so annoyed by that scene, not just because he was holy, literally kidnapping them, but, but because yeah. of, that just added to it. I was like, that's such a good detail to add to a, a shitty man. Because mm -hmm, it's like, he's not talking so you hear him, he's talking because he loves hearing himself talk. Yup, about whatever stupid pretentious shit he's into right now. I'm not saying what he was talking about is stupid, but because he was saying it, it's stupid. So. It is stupid, because he's saying it, yes. Yes, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I don't know yeah. anything about that writer he was talking about, I don't care. I tuned him out. Exactly. But I love the point where he's talking about him and Senator Bullock knew who he's talking about and actually had to correct him because the knowledge he knew was stupid. He was sitting there mansplaining stuff he didn't even know he was talking about with. I love that detail. Yeah. It's satisfying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> For sure. But like I, I haven't I haven't watched that as like an adult woman since like before now. And like there are a lot of moments in this movie where I'm like as a kid I was just like I'm enjoying the vibes. Good vibes. Good vibes. Great vibes. My mom had to be like, you are not allowed to say witch witch you're a bitch. Okay? <laughs> we say witch witch you're a witch if we're gonna say it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Oh, I did, I did write something down when I was watching it. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why, like, when you suspect that, like, a fam there's a family of witches, don't be rude to them. You're going to get cursed or something. If they're lucky, they're nice. They're lucky. They're really, really nice. I would be so evil. I'd be, like, cavity. Toad. <laughs> Toad. Ingrown toenail. I, I would be horrendous. I would be, if I had witch powers, I'd be playing matchmaker. Oh, that's cute. Be a little cupid of the town. But there was one scene in the movie that reminded me of your mom mm -hmm. when she, as the the night after they drank and she's blowing yeah. that whistle. She goes, hey, can I see that? <laughs> With your mom. <laughs> that story. <laughs> I love that story. It's my favorite. <laughs> Sonic decided to give out slide whistles <laughs> as the kids' meal toy. I would have, like, as an adult, I would do the same. <laughs> she was trying to drive a car with children in it, and I'm sitting back there, like, just going hail on a slide whistle, and she's like, can you see that? Fucking chunks it out the window. I get it, though. I get it. I understand. <laughs> I don't have the patience now. I don't have two children. She had me and my sister and then like my half siblings in the car too. She had four oh children. Oh god. <laughs> oh my god. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. I would I would also be like you're jeopardizing everybody's safety right now. You're jeopardizing my mental health right now. <laughs> and I'm in charge. So. Yep. <laughs> There's no way she saw that movie and didn't think of that moment when she did it. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. this was that that this happened after that, so she was probably like, "This is the time. <laughs> this is when I can do it. <laughs> I, I can use what I've learned. <laughs> Put it in practice." <laughs> did you have anything else you wanted to say? Well, there's so many good scenes in this movie. I feel like I talked about all the scenes I liked or wanted to talk about. 
but I'll mention them if they get brought up or if I remember them. Yeah. I think the only other thing I have to say is this is one of my, like, my mom, my sister, and I, we would watch this movie together all the time. Mm -hmm. It's, like, the perfect movie to watch with your mom. This was our one of our rainy day movies. Mm, I get this that. This is a fall movie. This is a fall comfort movie for sure. Mm-hmm. One last thing. I know the, the ants weren't in it as much as I remembered, but what did you think of the ants? I love them. I want to be them. Mm -hmm. That's the goal. I don't have any more to say than that. I just want to be them. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Fucking fair enough. Fair enough, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's all I have, too. So you ready to move on to the critics? Yep. So, from the critics, it has a 23% on Rotten Tomatoes. Why do they hate it so much? Because it's for the girls, that's why. That's sad. But it has a 73% from audience members. Because the people know what they love. Mm-hmm. It has a pretty high rating on Letterboxd, unsurprisingly. Unsurprisingly, yeah. Yeah. So, the first review I have is a positive review from Apollo Guide by Cheryl DeWolf, who gave it an 80 out of 100 and wrote this in the year 2000. And she says... Quote, Practical Magic got more than its share of bad press when it was first released theatrically, most of which was not deserved. True, it does flip-flop from genre to genre, at times black comedy, at times chick flick, at times melodrama, but the director and editor deserve credit for keeping the transition smooth. Credit is also due to the stars. They work well together and put in solid performances, though they do seem to be typecast in their roles. Filmed partly in Washington State's San, San Juan Islands, the small harbor setting gives Practical Magic its storybook feel. The make-believe is enhanced with quirky and innovative special effects. End quote. I love that. Mm -hmm. I can't say I know a whole lot about the characters being typecasted or like really know what they're talking about with they're both role. I, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would necessarily say that, but I think at that time with the movies that they both had done, maybe those were roles that they were taking more often. Yeah. I don't know too much about either of them with their previous. So I can't, I just can't agree with that because I just don't know. Yeah. But I agree with everything else, especially the transition. Like, yeah, there's a lot of themes, but I also love all the themes within it. I think it works well with the movie. Yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of themes, but they transition well. Yeah. They do. And I saw that come up a lot with the genres being like kind of all over the place. And like, yeah, they are. There's a lot of genre stuff happening in it, but it never seemed clunky or anything. Mm -hmm. But the last thing they say is, quote, practical magic is sweet, sassy, sexy, and smart. At its heart, it is a love story. Sally and Gary are meant to be together, but forced to be apart, and everything else is window dressing. It follows a clever script that is full of little moments that truly sparkle. Above all, it entertains. End quote. I love when critics just nail it on the head. Mm -hmm. It is sweet, it's sassy, it is sexy, and it's smart. Yeah. Now let's see how this man fumbles it. Ooh. So this is from Rochester Goes Out by Jack Garner, who wrote this in October of 1998. So he gave it a four out of 10 and says, quote, despite its title, there's not much that's magical about practical magic. A mediocre mishmash of female bonding comedy, schmaltzy romance, and blessedly brief horror about latter-day witchcraft, end quote. I don't like your tone. <laughs> I don't like your tone. What is it? What does he say? Female bonding comedy. Like that's a bad genre? Because he says it like that's a bad thing. 
it's not female bonding comedy that's so many movies and that doesn't mean it's bad i hate that i hate it i hate it next he says quote it tells the story of three generations of women on a new england island who try to learn to live with the craft and with the owen family curse any man loved by an owen woman is doomed to an untimely death in fact in no time at all sally loses her beloved husband and takes her two daughters to move in with her eccentric aunts Francis and Jet, two amiable witches who get blamed for everything that goes wrong in their island community. Jillian, meanwhile, is running around the country chasing after men who are as wild as she is. One turns out to be abusive, gives her a black eye, and even tries to brand her. The dark turn is typical of the film's unappealing, disjointed tone. What the heck is this sort of plot development doing in what's mostly a romantic comedy? End quote. It's also like it's trying to cause um, problems for the movie to make it an interesting story. Also, this, the dichotomy of these two sisters. Yeah. They're going through two very different, very real versions of what dating and romance can look like for women. She's um, one's going through grief, a loss of a husband. Mm-hmm. The other one's dating a shitty dude who's abusive to her. And also seeing the serial killer in the movie. Yes, he almost he tried to brand her like he did to the victim that they found. That's awful. I, I just hate when they're like, what's I even doing in the movie? It's the it's the foil and the plot. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You write a story. I, I don't know what else to tell you, dude. It's literally showing how these two different sisters of a family that's cursed with this curse approach their love life. Yeah. Why are you in the movie theater right now? Why are you like, here? <laughs> I would turn around and say, why are you here? <laughs> You're in the wrong theater. <laughs> we would have been looking at so it like mean. this the whole time. <laughs> I don't, that's me i wouldn't do that well, well let me get through this and we'll see what else mm-hmm. <laughs> sparks up <laughs> quote dunn's direction is also a scattered mishmash he overemphasizes some moments both dramatic and humorous and throws away others and he's not above stopping the narrative for a few vh1 moments three minute sequences that serve little purpose but accompany soundtrack songs end quote vh1 what does that mean? You know, whenever like this happens in so many movies where like a soundtrack song is playing and they're just kind of, you know, feeling the song in the scene. Kind of gives the vibe of the movie, kind of makes you like go, I like this scene. I like this song. I love what's going on. I, uh. So he's just bitching about a movie, a movie that does what almost every other movie does. Yeah. Also, shut up. Shut up about the soundtrack. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> okay the soundtrack's amazing mm-hmm. what are you talking about it's not for you it's not for you it's not for you <laughs> leave <laughs> please get out of here get the hell get out, out of here. here you need to leave <laughs> you need to leave uh so obnoxious so obnoxious well let's Let's see how he ends it. Quote, Ultimately, practical magic seems to suggest that witchcraft is nothing more than the special bond among women and a knowledge of potent potions for the post-feminist age. But I'm not sure the ability to make herbal face creams or jump off a roof without breaking a leg are much-needed skills. This movie not only needs more magic, but it also should be more practical. End quote. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. Fuck this dude. Mm -hmm. Nasty-ass attitude. Snarky. I'm gonna say it. Borderline misogynist. Not even borderline. Just straight up that last paragraph. It's not about herbal face creams or jumping off your roof without breaking. Yeah, dude. If you actually watch the movie, you know it's more than that. It's about sisterhood, being nice to each other, community. Uh, uh, Fuck you, you know? (laughs) Like, that's what it means. That's what it meant. Yeah. Wow. This was, like, really, like, a disheartening one. Mm -hmm. The next negative one's written by a woman. So Mm. let's see how she disappoints us. (laughs) 
Yeah, let's see. So this one's from Real, written by Pam Grady in 2002. This was this was upon the DVD release of the movie, and Grady gave this movie two out of four, saying, quote, When Practical Magic was released in theaters, it was to mixed reviews and indifferent box office. No wonder. Three TV spots and the trailer included on the DVD will refresh your memory as to how Practical Magic was marketed, with a scene of stars Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman laughing and dancing around a kitchen with co-stars Stockard Channing and Diane Wiest, and snippets emphasizing the romantic angle between Bullock and A. Aiden Quinn. Practical Magic looks for all the world like a light romantic comedy with supernatural overtones. It's not. End quote. It's exactly what that is. The movie's exactly what it is. I think that's a little fair because it gets darker than that quite a bit. So like from that standpoint, it's like what was marketed to me is not what I got. It's a little bit darker, but I still think it has all those aspects of it, you know? I still think there is some lightness to it. Yeah. Plus romantic comedy. Okay. Romantic comedy. Yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of see it as a romantic comedy. I laughed. But this was <laughs> in the time of like the inner world. Like those those <laughs> trailers where everything seemed a little more lighthearted than it was. Yeah. But like, I, I understand that. It's not exactly what the trailer entails, but they also can't put the dark shit in the trailer because you won't watch it. He's like Strangler in the backseat of the yeah. car. <laughs> Anyway, but so like, I'm not excusing not liking this movie, but I understand if you were expecting something different and you went in and you were like, why am I sad right now? Why do I feel bad right now? <laughs> I don't know. I walked into this movie with no expectations and no clue was about. I just knew Sandra Bullock was in it. That's it. It was the only expectation. So I guess if you had the perspective of something else or expectations of something else, sure. Yeah. But next, Grady says, quote, Practical magic is more a suspense tale involving demonic possession than romance. In this saga of modern-day witch sisters each dealing in her own way with a centuries-old family curse that spells early death for any man they love, it's Bullock's dreary story of trying to live a normal life despite the curse that receives the most screen time, end quote. True. Yeah, a lot of people... And it's a little sad. <laughs> a lot of people back then really liked Nicole Kidman's storyline more yeah she was fun yeah she was the cool aunt <laughs> yeah she was the cool aunt i get what she's saying now remembering the movie i'm remembering for its good parts i guess but um i i, I know i i'm seeing what she's yeah. saying now a little bit it's just different what from what she expected which i get okay yeah Next, she says, quote, Kidman's story, though, gives practical magic what life it has. As the more free-spirited of the two sisters, she gets involved with the so-called Bulgarian cowboy. In the sisters' misguided attempt to extricate Kidman from this violent relationship, they bring forth a demon. In its wake comes both an exorcism and the Aiden Quinn character as a cop hot on the cowboy's trail. This section, while spiked by absolutely miserable attempts at comedy, does manage to raise a fair level of suspense, end quote. I did think, like, all they had to do was say, like, hey this guy kidnapped us so in order for us to live we did drug him with this one thing we didn't mean to kill him then we took him home we put... <laughs> but then we took him home buried him in the, in the garden with cream on him <laughs> yeah <laughs> stabbed his eyes out well they didn't do that but they were going to beat him over the head with a skillet just before then and i know what they said like oh they're not gonna believe us it's like it's like they got off anyway hey, it's fine <laughs> it, it ended how it is it's fine <laughs> i'm not gonna punch holes in it i'm not gonna do no, that there's no time there's no time for that there's no time <laughs> I do think it's hilarious, though, when, like, she's asking, Sally is asking Jillian for, like, something to, to draw the yeah. to draw the pentagram on, and, like, she hands her the whipped cream. She's like, oh, no, wait, actually, this is good. <laughs> yeah, she's like, this is actually this is, perfect. This is yeah. great. 
such such girl you know that's such a girl thing like whipped cream <laughs> like, no, this will work this will work this is a summer party yes p-i-c-c-a <laughs> she's resourceful mm-hmm. i don't know what you want from her mm-hmm. uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> did it not work but uh <laughs> last she says quote what ultimately sinks practical magic is the wildly shifting tone. Sitcom-level comedy, dark drama, and light romance make for an unwieldy blend. Added to this is director Griffin Dunn's insistence on telegraphing the story with loud pop songs on the soundtrack instead of simply telling it, which further erodes audience goodwill. It's a pity, too, because rarely have Kidman and Bullock been so charming. For diehard Kidman and Bullock buffs and undemanding fans of supernatural suspense, practical magic may prove practical practically entertaining for everyone else you've been warned end quote in 90s movies i know it's a trope for 90s or early 2000 movies to tell a scene through a soundtrack song it's the way you love me it's <laughs> i'm feeling love like that. this that's when i was like oh i do like this movie now <laughs> this kiss this kiss you tell me to cry a little <laughs> i well i started singing along you can't not sing along to this kiss by faith hill you cannot I, I started like dancing in my seat a little bit. I was like, yes. It's one of those things where I know it's a trope and I know it's cheesy now, but there's a part of me that misses that in movies where a soundtrack song is playing and I'm watching this character do whatever. And I'm like, yes, I love this. You ever seen Shrek? Oh my God. <laughs> yes. What you say was the problem, <laughs> baby. baby. <laughs> okay. Have you seen the TikTok where the frogs are like, live and let die? <laughs> <laughs> During the death, <laughs> making sure the frogs are singing at my funeral. <laughs> Checking. I miss that in movies. Yeah. I actually like that. Not every movie, mm-hmm. but there's a part of me I know it's cheesy, but I love it. And this movie did it so well. Yeah, they picked banger after banger. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing exactly what she's feeling, and the song gives that same feeling. And now I kind of want to dance. What? Do you not want to like let a movie take you where it wants to take you? Yeah. Do you never just do you ever just relax and let go? You know, <laughs> You're, unclench your jaw. Put your shoulders down. You look tense. Roll your shoulders. You know, take a deep breath. Unclench your jaw. <laughs> <laughs> do a butterfly breath butterfly breaths let the movie take you away so that's all i gotta say to this yeah and i i get what you're saying though we're like at that time it was a lot and it was overdone and it was it's cheesy and i know that but like cheesy doesn't always mean bad yeah that's why i'm glad i like i didn't, wasn't so much warning you as like letting you know what the vibes are when i told you i was like it's 90s cheesiness just and i was like perfect you know what mm-hmm. yeah I need that. I need that. I loved it. But I understand being four years away from it and being like, (laughs) like, I've seen this so much. (laughs) I've seen it so much. I'm done. You'll come back around. It happens. You'll come back around. It's like those trends. You're like, oh, it's just a trend. But I'm like, yeah, but it's kind of classic. Yeah. There's a point where it's just classic. Mullets. Yep. (laughs) They always come back. Yep. Yeah, they always do. It goes frat boy, art boy, frat boy, art boy, frat boy, art boy. It just, for the rest of time, it will do that. Till the sun explodes. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a few years. 
<laughs> no, <laughs> maybe. Mm. <laughs> but this this last review I have is a positive review. It's from 2022. This is from the film Nerdette by Zofia Wojcicka from 2022. And they say, quote, Practical Magic premiered in 1998 when I was only three years old. Thankfully for my future critic self, my parents made sure to take care of my film and television education. In effect, I knew the film by Griffin Dunn based on Alice Hoffman's book early on. As the title indicates, Practical Magic is packed with titular magic, but not only, it contains an empowering narrative, highlights the importance of sisterhood, and discusses how difficult it is to walk away from domestic abuse. All of these aspects make the film still very relevant for the new generation and first-time viewers, end quote. 100% agree. Couldn't have said it better. Old lady. (laughs) (laughs) Old. Old lady. How are your knees? (laughs) She's only like three years old. She's Serena's age. She's she's still in her twenties. She's literally Serena's age. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. Sorry, Serena. You're not old. I I, I was just being rude. <laughs> hey, you know what Brittany Boski said? Twenty five is the new twenty one, mm-hmm. and thirty is the new twenty five. And there you so. go. And there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm like sixteen. Okay. Uh, I'm still a teenager. <laughs> I'm just a girl. Uh, I'm just a 25-year-old teenage girl. (laughs) Leave me alone. (laughs) But next they say, quote, There's a lot to admire about the third act, particularly when all the women in the village band together to help Jillian, who gets possessed by Jimmy's tortured soul. Even after so many years, the sight of all the participants joining hands evokes strong emotions. Practical Magic's premise about female strength, the damaging effect of abuse on one's psyche, and the fight for a body autonomy is still very relatable, making the film a timeless story, end quote. I cried mm-hmm. during the seance scene. Or not the seance, the exorcism scene. Yeah. I get it. It's about community, female community, female empowerment. Even if you've hated each other for years, the minute those women heard her abusive boyfriend won't leave her alone, yeah, they were all like, we'll be there. We'll be there. Because it's one of those things where like, it's the thing I was talking about earlier. Yeah, I haven't always liked every woman I've ever met, but I never wish any harm Mm-mm. towards any any woman. No pain. Yeah. Exactly what the you just said. This person, like when you find out someone needs, a woman is going through something like this and they need your help like you'll be there yeah you band together because you gotta i don't have a gun i'll bring a bat <laughs> exactly exactly yeah you don't have to be friends but i will beat the shit out of a man for you yes absolutely but next they say quote there is one other aspect of practical magic that makes it memorable and that's the issue of bullying in the film said aspect may be helpful for younger audiences where perhaps some struggle with the presence of bullying at school thanks to its versatility the film is perfect for everybody end quote see i don't think i think i took the wrong message from this because i went on to be a bully in elementary school (laughs) so my parents are getting divorced so (laughs) yeah just give me lines to you (laughs) yeah i think that is a big part of it or like you know if you ever felt like an outcast in anywhere that you are or you just like feel some part of you is not accepted and i get that but it goes back to what we were saying it's like yeah they weren't loved in the community but they all still band together you know Mm -hmm. yeah because women protect women women protect women yeah but next they say quote Next to the aforementioned components, Dunn's picture possesses a suitable and catchy soundtrack that adds to the overall atmosphere of the film with songs from Stevie Nicks, among others. When looking further into Practical Magic's legacy and its Rotten Tomato score, which still stands at 21%, 
It's up to 23 now, and I think this person helped with that. <laughs> I got that 2%. <laughs> yeah, bump it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it becomes even more unbelievable, especially given the film's aforementioned timelessness. The audience score, on the other hand, more accurately reflects the film's reception. Regardless of the score, and not without the flaws, Practical Magic will still have the ability to enchant viewers that are passionate about empowerment and representation of female characters on film and TV. It may not be a film for all, but the ambiguity of opinions demonstrates the beauty of art and how different people perceive it based on their own experiences and feelings. I'll stand by my opinion that Dunn's adaptation is a classic position for the Halloween season and an empowering film, ideal for a group hangout and a post-film discussion on themes contained in it. End quote. Absolutely. You watch this with a group of your your feminine friends mm-hmm. and then you talk about it for hours after. Yep. Cry, mm-hmm. sing, dance. You're all drunk shopping on your phones for yeah. all those outfits. <laughs> yep. We play Stevie Nicks. Mm-hmm. It's gonna happen. We spin. We spin. <laughs> we spin. Give me rope. Give me rope. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Eileen. <laughs> oh yeah, that song's just randomly cued in there. <laughs> and we all, and that's when the cops get called because we're being too loud. <laughs> but <laughs> um, let me see. Okay, I think this is their last quote. They end with quote: "At the very least, it's so worth seeing Kidman, Bullock, Weist, and Channing's characters dancing around the kitchen and drinking midnight margaritas while humming Harry Nilsson's Coconut. Who knows? Maybe after viewing, you'd like to apply Sally's kind advice: always throw spilled salt over your left shoulder, keep rosemary by your garden gate, plant lavender for luck, and fall in love whenever you can." End quote. It's so cheesy, and I love it. I eat it. I eat it with crackers and prosciutto. That's my live, love, love. That is my live, love, love. That's over in the kitchen. That's, mm-hmm. that's put it in the kitchen. <laughs> this movie is the reason that we've hit many people at tables behind us with salt. Yep. <laughs> so Serena and I. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> that's so, that's honestly so cute. <laughs> you know, you knock over a salt shaker at Chili's, you have to. <laughs> bad luck it's bad luck <laughs> but that was the last critic review i had do you want to move on to the audience reviews or do you want to say anything else about this one no i feel like this one <laughs> uh, this was a perfect review mm-hmm. so our first review is a 10 out of 10 from imdb titled practically delicious love it from 2007 outstandingly entertaining my texan hat is off to all the actors and griffin dunn has proved to be an outstanding director as well as an actor what an amazing cast and movie i can't stop watching it there are a few goofs but what the heck all movies are for entertainment unless they are documentaries based on fact sandra was the professional actress as usual and for those of you who do not know about diane wiest may i suggest you look to see how successful her career has been look for a lighthearted comedy in this film don't be so quick to look upon it as a masterpiece the actors portrayed their characters exactly how they should have it's just great fun and that's all there is to it accept it for what it is smile thank you to the person who did not like my comment it was not meant to be debated this is my opinion i felt like i wrote this like i felt like in the past in in a past life (laughs) your mother wrote this yeah probably (laughs) um I love this. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what exactly what I would say with some curse words thrown in. Yeah. <laughs> you got to You got to censor yourself so it doesn't get taken down. Yep. Mm-hmm. But the all movies are for entertainment unless they're documentaries based on facts is yes. the smartest thing I've ever heard anybody say. Yes, yes, yes. I love this. This is a great IMDb one and Texan. Mm-hmm. Shout out. Yee-yee. Big, te- <laughs> big text. <laughs> the stars at night. <laughs> 
This next one is three and a half stars from 2018 on Letterboxd that says, New York's hottest club is... <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. New York's hottest club is Practical Magic. <laughs> this place has this place has everything. Which is getting tequila wasted. <laughs> Sandra Bullock and Jorts. Powerful women taking down abusers. 90s fashion. And a soundtrack comprised of Joni Mitchell and Stevie Nicks. I didn't know we needed Stefan thrown in here, but now that we have, it's perfect. This place has, has everything. everything. I just hit myself in the fucking face. <laughs> I Stefan too hard. You Stefan a little too hard. You gotta be careful with it. That's too much power. <laughs> this next one is also three and a half stars on Letterboxd from 2017 that says, sometimes things don't make sense, but then other times there's two Stevie Nicks songs on the soundtrack of a movie about two witch sisters killing a man. Yes. Precisely. Yes. <laughs> I can't think of a greater movie. <laughs> exactly. You're right. Sometimes things don't make sense, but then other times two Stevie Nicks songs and witch murder. I, I what what more do you need in life? Nothing. Literally nothing. nothing. Literally nothing. Food, water, throw that out the window. This. This is all I need. Anyway, five <laughs> stars on Letterboxd from 2017. Any man who falls in love with them dies in untimely love? T- untimely death? Hmm. If only there was another option. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If there's one thing about this movie, it's a little a man obsessed. Because there's got to be someone in the family who is, you know... Hey, just like you, they can't help that they're straight. <laughs> they're cursed with being straight. They're cursed with being That's straight. That's what the real curse is. Oh, I bet it is. No stars on Letterboxd from 2021. Hate when I try to make pasta sauce with the girls and it turns into the evil spirit of my shitty ex. <laughs> yup. Hate when that happens. I love no star reviews on Letterboxd. Those are, you don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> Here comes a more wild card. Okay. One out of 10 on IMDb. <laughs> From 1999, titled, Why Was This Movie More Than 20 Minutes Long? I never thought I would be dumbfounded by a Sandra Bullock movie, but I just sat staring at my TV screen after this movie was over, wondering what in the hell just happened to me. This movie was truly awful in every conceivable way. The first half hour of the movie was not necessary at all. It has had absolutely nothing to do with the final half. Why was Aiden Quinn in the previews? He had such an invisible role. Are we to believe that all of the town people were scared and angry at the witches just because they had never been invited over for demon killing? Why was that margarita scene filmed? Why? 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 I haven't been this horribly amazed that a movie made it to the screen since Hush. Is that the one with the... No, this was from 99, so that's not the Netflix one. Okay. No. Weird. Griffin Dunn has done good work in the past. Sandra, take note. This is no way to revive a very short-lived career. How much money did you make on this? Shame on you for taking any of it. You should distribute it back to the people who had to sit through this movie. She does Miss Congeniality next, Mm -hmm. and then she does a bunch of other very successful movies, and then you shut the fuck up. She has a career, like, of decades. Yeah. This was, like, early in her career. Very early in her career, so they don't know what they're talking about. Also, I love the margarita scene, so I don't know who this person is, but it's like, if you watch that scene and you get it, it's for you, You, because you get it. You You know it and you get it. So I love the margarita scene. They could take any other scene out, leave that one in. I do like the, just because they never invited them over for demon killing. (laughs) I would also be a little, like, felt left out, you know? Well, 
there's like the the one girl who's like who knew them when they were younger and she was like i i've always wanted to see the inside of your house and i was like why is that not fucking weird yeah well there's that one girl is it the same one that comes over because she's having trouble with a man and they make her like pierce a needle through a bird or something no that's a different one this is like she was little whenever sally and jillian were little like they Um, went to school together and she like bullied them but she's like i've always wanted to see the inside of your house it's like yeah you were just jealous the whole time and that's what it is it's jealousy if you were just nice to her you could have like hung out with her probably could have been you called her a bitch yeah you called her a witch witch you're a bitch. You can't do that. And want to see the inside of her house. That's not how you make friends. <laughs> That's not how you make friends. These people just don't know how to make friends. That's what happened. <laughs> the star and a half from 2022 on Letterboxd that says, 1998 was a wild time. Features some startlingly impractical applications of witchery despite the titular promise. I wanted to love it so much, but I sort of felt like everyone involved deserved a more interesting story to work with. 90 soft rock radio needle drops galore. Peak Sandy? No, I don't I don't want to think about this. Um at least they wanted to like it. They wanted to like it. I thought it was interesting enough. Mm-hmm. Was 98 a wild time? I was born that year, so I, I didn't really get to I was indoors a I lot. I wasn't alive. I don't know why you're asking me. I was indoors a lot. <laughs> I wasn't there. <laughs> you don't have to keep reminding me <laughs> that I missed it. <laughs> you missed out, man. <laughs> Fucking FOMO over 1998. <laughs> I was born the wrong generation. <laughs> I was born the wrong year. I was born the wrong year. <laughs> oh god! You had to go like a whole year without me on this planet. Exactly. I was out there by myself. Like someone doesn't feel right. <laughs> and then one day on June seventh, I was like, "Hmm, excuse me, <gasps> did I say your wrong birthday?" Yeah, I'm a terrible friend. And <laughs> <laughs> you leave and recording. This is the Goodbye. last episode. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> I said your wrong birthday. I don't know why I said June 7th. I don't. It's because you're thinking about your own birthday. And you're like, no, no. I was at 17th. I, I, I'm so <laughs> sorry. New stars from 2022 on Letterboxd. I came for Sandra Bullock. I enjoy that coconut montage scene, but the writing never gets me invested. I did stay because of the casting. I wish I enjoyed this cult classic like others, but unfortunately, this spell couldn't possess me. You liked the coconut scene, so. That's the thing. You still get points. You still get points. Mm Mm-hmm. So one out of 10 on IMDb from June of 1999. It's titled, This Was an Awful Piece of Work, Save for Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman was the saving force of a terrible movie. Some sequences are far too long and others way too unbelievable. Sandra Bullock didn't do herself many favors by accepting the far less intriguing role. The one scene which forever haunts this film for me is the dancing around the table for upwards of five minutes while everyone gets drunk. This, to me, is sloppy filmmaking when nothing better could have been put in it. Filler to make the movie longer. Nicole Kidman surprised me with her performance, but one character a film does not make. Sloppy sentence. Finish your words, please. Yeah, Proofread, maybe. Proofread before you post it. Thank you. One, Sandra Bullock's character was very interesting. She went through a lot. And two, sometimes it's seen as just for enjoyment. Sometimes it doesn't move the plot forward. It's just for pure entertainment. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know how you could see that and not see like the pure joy of it. Mm. Three and a half stars from 2021 on Letterboxd. It's actually kind of impractical, don't you think? <laughs> don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, great. I don't know why I keep attempting to sing tonight. I can't fucking sing. On your wedding day and you realize. Love it. Love it. Um, Half a star 
from from 2020 on Letterboxd. Imagine casting a spell that you would never know love unless the perfect man showed up and then the man that showed up was a cop. (laughs) Okay, okay. If there's something you critique about this movie, this is it. Three stars. 2020, Letterboxd. Totally inconsistent, often a mess in plotting and character, but the vibe is right. Small town, edge of the sea, late 90s coziness. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. That's all we ask. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you didn't like the structure. Acknowledge the vibe. Mm -hmm. Five stars on Letterboxd 2021. This has 22% on Rotten Tomatoes, and you expect me to believe in film criticism? (laughs) Yup. Thank you. It's one of those movies where you're like, what the fuck? (laughs) Critics don't know what they're talking about. Audiences do. Something that has to be taken into account with the critic score on Rotten Tomatoes Mm -hmm. is that a lot of times it's a very small number of reviews. So it's like only the angry critics came in and wrote negative reviews. Right, right. There were like 96 reviews for this movie. Oh, hardly any. So it's not like an accurate representation. It's just the 96 reviews that were written about it. Exactly. But still, it's so like blatant that it's all just because it's centered around women and like plots that are associated with femininity and like narratives that are centered that way. It's just so blatant. It's like, yeah. I don't know. I hate that. I just, it, it's, I know it's a sign of the times and like the internet wasn't what it was, mm-hmm. but it's still disheartening to see it be so blatant. It is. Especially something, I mean, we were babies when this came yeah. out and people were talking this horribly about it. So the world we were born into, like. Literally the world, literally the world we were born into. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> not to, not to get sad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, just like Practical Magic, the vibes will be going back and forth. Yeah, exactly. 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 Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Three and a half stars from 2020 on Letterboxd. Everybody want to act tough until Stevie Nicks starts playing. Mm. Give me, give me room, give me room. <laughs> I'm going to start swirling. <laughs> That's why you need the skirts. Yup. <laughs> can't twirl in pants. No. <laughs> Three and a half stars from 2017 on Letterboxd. A guy I was talking to said this was his favorite movie, so we watched it on a date, and immediately afterwards I left, and I haven't thought of him, yet I'm still thinking about Nicole Kidman's bangs from this movie. (laughs) Good bangs. Great bangs. Great hair. I just love her hair in that movie. Amazing. I haven't thought about him, but I still think about this movie. (laughs) No, they're just still thinking about Nicole Kidman's bangs from this movie. (laughs) Just the bangs, not the movie, the bangs. Mm-hmm. Two and a half stars from 2016 on Letterboxd. I want to rewrite this script so badly. No, you don't get to. Sorry. No. I think this is the only one that mentions this, but a lot of people did mention this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to include one. Okay. I could be wrong. So if you're confused by the end, never mind. <laughs> um, one out of ten on IMDb titled, A New Written Screenplay is What is Much Needed in This Brew from 2018. First, this may not be what you want to hear. Read the book. Ugh. The movie is a big disappointment. The magic stirring cups are a disservice to the actual book plot. Women who isolate themselves and hide their power, love for all the right and wrong reasons, use their gifts and minds to redeem themselves at the end. What we need is a remake of this movie with an entirely new screenplay, one that stays true to the book. The phony magic and pumped up mayhem every which way, Keystone Cop run around with the bad guy plot only detract from a deeper felt story written by Miss Hoffman. I don't have anything to say. I never read the book, so. I think that the movie did all of the things you're saying. So I don't know what you're saying. Yeah, I don't know. And I don't I don't want a remake of this movie. <laughs> I don't. I don't want it to be remade. I think it'll be ruined. Unless it's amazing. Like it has to be. Ooh, what if uh the next one, it's the two daughters that... 
Sandra Bullock has, and Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman are the older uh, witches. I could get. I could get. I, I think it'd be kind of good, depending on who I wrote it. I. Greta Gerwig has to write it. Gre oh, I think only Greta Gerwig could make this movie. I think only she could write it. I think it'd be kind of good. I think she could do it. I If there's anyone I have faith in to accomplish it, it'd be Greta Gerwig. Yeah. Greta, if you're listening, please. 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 You can make it. You can do it. You can remake Practical Magic. Only you could, Only you have the power to do this. She absolutely could. I believe it. Stevie Nicks is still alive. Do it while Stevie yes, Nicks is still please, alive. Hurry. Hurry. <laughs> make her like a great aunt or something. That'd be so good. She'd make a little cameo. I love it. Mm -hmm. Three stars from 2021 on Letterboxd. This is exactly how I act when I listen to Wuthering Heights by Kate Bush. Ooh, yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And Running Up That Hill is in there too. Running Up That Hill is very good. Yes. If they did a remake, they would. They should use more Kate Bush in the soundtrack. They should. Okay. Wuthering Heights by Kate Bush. As silly as it sounds, if it plays, I'm singing. I'm singing I am it. too. In my most falsetto voice possible. Yep. This is a four-star review from Letterboxd from 2015 that says, There's something about this movie that I find extremely uplifting despite its blaring mainstream sentimental overtones. Pre-Charmed, pre-Gilmore Girls, pre-Anthropology. <laughs> the whole world is so perfectly committed to the Stevie Nicks white witch vibe that it's nearly impossible not to love if you're remotely phased by the aesthetic. I'm also slightly biased because it was a staple for my mom and we lived in a little cottage in the woods with an <gasps> herb garden. Oh, that's so cute. The whole thing just strikes a positive chord and I'll forever sing its praise. I love that. That is a big thing. Like this is, if you watched it with like your mom growing up, like it just has such motherly and like sisterhood energy that it's, it's like a warm hug. I bet. As sad as it gets, it's like a fucking warm hug. I love this movie. I love that. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. Five stars from Letterboxd from 2021. Who needs therapy when I have practical magic? Yep. I don't need it. I don't need therapy. We're good. We're fine. I have Sandy B. Sandy B. And Nicole Kidman. Love it. This is the last one. It's from IMDb. It didn't have any stars. It's from June of 1999. They say this is a fun, and fun is in quotation marks, movie. Surprising and funny, but much more for adults than children. It's too scary and graphic for little ones. Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman give star-powered performances. Both deliver the goods here, and you'll enjoy it whether you're fans of them or if you're not. They're simply charming, and as much as people may want to dislike Kidman for being Miss Cruz, she again proves she's a star in her own right. Forget the critics and be faithful to the book drones this is a good movie hip edgy and sometimes spooky if this was a movie made by two unknown actresses it would be a gem critics would recommend to audiences but for some reason with bullock and kidman it gets reviewed on a different scale and ends up short for people forget all that it's great entertainment with yes two pretty big stars but they can't help that so get over it and enjoy the movie for what it is a real gem that is such a good fucking point yeah if this was like some artsy indie movie version of this with two up-and-coming actresses they would have been like this is art this is you just don't get it yeah i love that i didn't know she was married to tom cruise at this point at this point yeah i wouldn't hate her for that i just feel sorry for her for that i'm glad that she's no longer with tom cruise oh yeah did you see her walking out of the divorce divorce lawyer building she's cheering she's like oh my god i'm free she's breathing she's going yeah ah into the wind mm -hmm. it's it's telling yeah but what would you rate this movie i'm gonna say eight out of ten i think i liked it that much it's that much of a comfort feel good movie for me yeah there's a lot about it that's just like anything that you would perceive negatively in a different setting or movie you're just like 
No, but it it works. It just works. I think I would give it a nine out of ten because I get the just to add an extra an extra point just for like nostalgia reasons yeah childhood nostalgia yeah um is there anything else you want to say before we wrap it up i think i've said everything i think i've said too much (laughs) so if you have any other movies that you want to suggest to us right now we're doing fall movies if you want to suggest any holiday movies for us to do in the future you can message us on our instagram at easy big ticks we also have a tiktok at easy big ticks we have our website, easybigtakespodcast.com, where we post our review overviews and transcripts of our episodes. You can follow us on Letterboxd. And don't forget to follow us wherever you listen, share us with a friend, and leave a review if you can, because it really helps us out a lot. And thank you so much for listening. My name's Kat. And I'm Riley. Bye. This has been... Oh, oh. sorry. <laughs> okay, stepping on my mind. Sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> this has been Easy Big Takes. Easy watching out there. Bye.